Hello, folks. Welcome to season three of our On the Call series produced by the stars among us. I'm Ozzy, and I thank you for tuning in to this thank you tour of mine, as each episode is a thank you card to someone who has impacted my life in one way or another. On this ninth episode of season three, I'm shining light on Peter Patricius. Hello, Peter. Hello, Ozzy. <laughs> Before we begin, Peter, I'm going to lay in a little bit to my audience about you. Peter has, at an early age, excelled in math and science. Um, and so his father had dreams of him being a doctor. Even though he received early acceptance to Temple University School of Medicine, during his senior year, he performed in a nationwide competition sponsored by MTV called SAMS, S-A-M-S, Rockalike, students against multiple sclerosis. And the winner at the college level was submitted to MTV and Peter was one of the five finalists to perform on the show. So what happened was that Peter dropped out of school because the bug hit him. He still is quite bilingual, Greek and English. Yes. And at an early age, actually, he and his brothers would write scripts and film them with their father's VHS and quarter and edited using two VCRs and, you know, the parodies of the 1970s style Kung Fu and martial arts, it was already in him. He defines himself as successful with a resume of over 40 plays, 60 film and television productions. Some of them notable appearances include Law and Order, Criminal Intent, HBO's Boardwalk. I love that show. The Blacklist. I love that one too. Gotham, and recent films, Last Call, that gave him his highest IMDb rating. Also 21 Bridges, Zeros, and Not For Nothing. He won Best Supporting Actor. What film was that for, Peter? That was for Offstage Elements. When was that? Three years ago. Okay. And what was the Three award? Years ago. It was for Best Supporting Actor in that film, <clears throat> Offstage Elements, was about a um, a band and they were, you know, reaching middle age and they were a rock band and the lead singer contracted cancer and he beat it. And behind our backs, he sort of rewrote our songs to lean towards the Christian aspect of life. And, you know, we were surprised by that. But I play one of the people who's struggling with addiction and he falls in love with a younger woman and he loves her child. and He wants to settle down with her, but he also doesn't want to leave the band and in the background is this struggle with the addiction as well and which one of the awards was it a golden globe that's what it was golden globe no it was at the philadelphia independent film festival here yeah it gives out awards every year for the film submitted there and they were the ones who recognized me and it was really nice to be recognized in that way yes. i mean at my level sometimes you get passed up <laughs> right so um i am very interested in finding out peter um what have you done? How do you think you've serviced your math and science acumen to this day? Okay, gosh, that's kind of an interesting question to ask because I've thought about that. A big part of why that happened, just to say, 
Um, my dad was a, a, an immigrant. He came to this country. He barely spoke English, came, stayed with relatives and worked his way up to owning his own business, his own pizzeria, which was massively successful. And yet he never felt that he was respected because he always, you know, would be asked if he went to the bank, oh, uh, Mr. Patricios, where's my cheesesteak or where's my pizza? And whereas these customers were really trying to flatter him, he was taking it the wrong way. He saw it as a sign of like, oh, get me this and get me that. Right. Like... Uh, insult. And he used to tell me, I want you to become something that people will respect, a doctor, a lawyer. I have two brothers. I was the only one who graduated college. Mm -hmm. And there are only two of us who even attended college. My younger brother got his GED, but we were not scholastically minded. Now, I didn't want to waste that education. I am glad my study was biopsychology, the biological basis of behavior. And there are two events that give me the sense that I use that to the max. One is to understand a character I always fall back on that degree, understanding what it is, the psychology behind what makes people behave the way they do. And I think anyone who's going to be an actor could benefit from taking a course in psychology. It's just the foundation and cornerstone of, of, of what makes people tick. And the second thing is, I, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I was working at my dad's restaurant. And it was about three weeks after we were taught basic uh, uh, life-saving, CPR, those kinds of things, Heimlich, and a customer choked. We've had uh, that business for some 10, 15 years at that point, and it's never happened. And I'm in the dining room helping out, and a customer starts to choke. And it was classic, like the book. He stood up, he wasn't breathing, he wasn't speaking. His wife yelled, please, somebody help, he's choking. And by the book, what they taught me at Temple, I went up to him, you ask permission. You say, I know, I know the Heimlich. May I help you, sir? You have to stop them, because he was on the way to the bathroom, and most people die alone in the bathroom because they're embarrassed that they're choking. Mm -hmm. They go to be alone. I stood between him and the bathroom. I said, may I help you? I know how to do the Heimlich. And he nodded yes, and he turned around. It was once and then twice, and the food came up. He started breathing. The whole restaurant erupted in applause. They were already calling me Dr. Pete because my dad had a license plate that said Dr. Pete. But it was a little bit, I was shy in that moment. I was so nervous and so grateful that I was there. And I always used to say to people, if that one life was what I needed to save, if that's what my education resulted in, I'm content with that. But it serves me in my acting too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Right? A lot more to learn about Pete. So, audience, um, Pete has also received um, an action figure. Tell us about that. How, why, and when? So I have bucket list items in my mind, oh. um, things that I want to do as an actor. Some of it is just silly stuff. Like I wanted to be a vampire in a movie or a wizard. Like if I get to be a wizard and uh, I know I was cast uh, by um, M. Night Shyamalan in The Last Airbender. Now they, they cut the scenes out of the film because they cut all the Kyoshi warrior scenes. And that was the scene that I was in was one of those. Mm -hmm. But even though I got cast as a Fire Nation general, I did not have power. So I was like, oh, but one of the other bucket list items was to be turned into an action figure. A character that I play becomes an action figure. And sure enough, I did this movie with director Dan Lance called Alpha Rift. And I get in the mail a few weeks ago, an action figure of the one of the characters I played because I had my main character. But then I also doubled in a uh, jump in time to play a warrior, the white warrior. And uh, I was holding it. But there's a video so you could see it on the TikTok. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. not many actors can say they have action figures made after them. So, you know, that's, yeah, there's a lot right. to that as well. Now, you've had some survival jobs. There's a list of them that you've done. You've done anything from catering, working as a phlebotomist, and for the audience, those who don't know, that's somebody who draws blood. 
did you also perform blood transfusions or assistant blood no. transfusions? What did you no, do? no. It was just helping out with drawing the blood. And things were different back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily certified, so we'll keep where I worked out of it. I was mm -hmm. there because I was pre-med and I was, you know, building my... You had to do these extracurriculars, which makes you look good. And mm -hmm. so I was a candy striper wheeling people around but then i also volunteered in the, the department of phlebotomy and i was supposed to carry around the vials but they allowed me to draw blood on a couple of people just to get experience since i was right. in on the way to medical school it was so funny because the first person i did i turned to the woman and she goes you can do this one i and i was talking you know how you talk with your back to the patient and i was like don't make me do it she said you have just this is going to be an easy one i said please and i turn around and i'm all smiles and i go to do it my hand was shaking so badly it looked like one of those metronomes that back and, forth. and the guy's looking down at his arm and looking up at me and i'm looking at my hand and looking up at him and after about 30 seconds, he goes, are you sure you're all right? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's going to be fine. And I did it, and it was. But right. that was one of the jobs that I had. I also worked as a mascot. I was Tony the Tiger. Um, I met uh, I met Rosie O'Donnell and Whoopi Goldberg when I was doing Tony the Tiger. Wow. Um, and I used to do a character named Flippy the Phone Dude for Comcast. And it was back when cell phones were new. Children weren't 100% used. Not every child had a cell phone back then. It was a big deal to have a cell phone. But they didn't always know to press send. And so it was this whole song and dance. And I did it on the other show, right? But there was an after-school special. And I also did the Rediscover Red Lobster Roadshow. I was their spokesperson. I went around <laughs> all over in America. Um, and I had a booth. And I had to come up with trivia questions and entertain guests and give out coupons. I cat sat for people. I have to share this with you, Ozzy. These wonderful people used to have me cat sit for them in the Upper East Side in, in Manhattan. And it was sinful that I was being paid for this at $50 a night because cats are very independent. They were these exotic, expensive cats and they were wonderful. But one day I was in the apartment just relaxing, having a cocktail. I was in my boxers and I thought I heard a knock at the door. And so I walked to the door and I open it and out runs the cat and me yeah. just reflexively, I run too. And the door closes behind me. Now I'm in my boxers. Right. And the building where they don't know me and a cat is loose running in the hallways. I finally catch the cat and I hold him in front of my boxer, take the elevator down to the lobby <laughs> and sheepishly approach the counter and say, I need to get back into apartment number so-and-so. It's not, not my best moment, I'd say. Um, how was your research in the, in the field of neuroscience? Uh, the neuroscience. So that's where I transitioned into um, being a research assistant in neuroscience at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh -huh. And that was a wonderful, wonderful job. And it was a wonderful doctor I worked for. And then he had someone he was working with who was going for her Ph.D., uh -huh. And they were very kind. I wasn't thrilled about working with animals at the time. You know, that was what we were doing. It was to try and we're trying to test a medication that you would administer to someone after they had a stroke. And it was to exert a, sort of a protective effect on these specific cells that degrade very quickly during a stroke. And the medication actually turned out to work. And it was it, it was. Um, you know, diminishing the impact of the stroke on these particular cells. Mm -hmm. And my name appears in a research article. Just oh. one. Wow. They're using the medication on the animals? Is is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the part I didn't like, but that's right. a part of you're, the... You're an animal lover. You have a dog, right? Do I... I've had I had a, I have a dog. I owned a parakeet, piranha, goldfish, Oscars, turtles, tarantula, hamsters. You have a zoo. Yeah, my mom was very open to me having whatever pet I wanted, 
And she knew, you know, from day one, I was uh, uh, very, I would read books. I mean, that was the biologist in me. I would read books about them and I would know the, them through and through. I even had insects as pets I would keep um, free. But, you know, depending on what it was, my mom would either be okay with it or not okay with it. But I would keep them in the front window. I didn't like to keep them boxed. Or if it was something that needed to stay boxed, I would take them out. Wait a minute. What kind of insects? Um, like I kept a praying mantis in the window for about a month and used to feed him and just be entertained by him. That was one that I really enjoyed. I had a walking stick for a while. A what? Um, yeah, I kept a cicada killer, which was a little dangerous because they're this huge hornet. And I'd hope that I can get the cicada killer to do what it does, which is it ca it's named a cicada killer because it's, I'm going to come across as such a nerd right now, but that's all right. <laughs> this is what would always shut down a party conversation is I'd be talking. Everyone's talking about So. Yeah, well, and then I'd say, you know, the cicada killer is a 17-year locust, but it's not actually a locust. And everyone would just like, it was like one of those, where you hear the record or whatever, or the car screech. And it was just complete silence. I'm going to go, um, I think there's a window I need to just leap out of and never see you all again. <laughs> okay. But I was that zany person and I was always memorable. People would just remember me. So I am good. quite sure. I am quite sure. Tell me about the children's book that you're writing now. Or you have written and what's so I wrote it and it's just the illustration part and I've actually had the good fortune to have two or three people read it to their grandchildren uh -huh. and one woman recorded this person and what I was doing was searching for someone to do the illustrations and the one woman that read it to her two grandchildren they were like four and five were so excited when she was finished. They said, we loved it, um, Uncle Pete. We loved it, Uncle Peter. And then in the background, I hear the one go, he draws like me. <laughs> and it was because I did some, just as placeholders, I drew, I did the illustrations myself. Well, that just hit me right in the heart. And I thought, I'm not gonna get someone else to do these illustrations. Maybe mine are rudimentary and not fully developed. But if it makes a child feel like they're connecting mm -hmm. and, and feel there's a oneness there. But so the book is about noticing the difference. It's called, I wish I were a lemon tree. Sometimes it's called, I wish I could be a lemon tree. The title uh, flexes a little bit, but essentially this apple tree is on the cover. And it says, I wish I could be a lemon tree. And he's got one apple growing. And the book is about the different trees he notices in the orchard. And so he sees, you know, the children gather. His goal is to have the kids gather around him and, and you know, play and that, that closeness. And so he sees the children, you know, for example, playing with the near the willow tree. And they've got a tire. They're swinging out over the lake because of his strong branches, it says. And then he says, oh, mom, look at the willow tree. If I had strong branches like he does, the kids would be playing near me. I wish I was a willow tree. Mm. And the mom says, well, I'm surprised to hear you say that. Um, she says, Johnny, because I want you to know this. And this, this is the poem that goes throughout the book. She says, notice the difference in others you see. It's perfectly natural and right as can be. But you must remember, this also is true. One day you will see the potential in you. Mm. And she says that to him at every, his father says it to him. She says it to him at every turn until finally at the end of the book, his apples grow and the kids come and they bob for apples. And they did the whole, you know, nine yards. And he says, he says, mom and dad, it's just like you said that I should notice the difference in others. I see it's perfectly natural and right as can be. And for those who are reading, remember it's true. One day you will see the potential in you. 
that's great. So when is it going to be part right, of right at the end? Got you right in the heartstrings. Did you need a tissue? I need yes, to know. Did you I, grab I, the I tissue? Do. I just want to know when when can people buy it? When I finish the illustrations and get the copyright, I have to recopyright it with the illustrations. Maybe I've just been dragging my feet a little bit. Things have been busy, but I would love to get it done as soon as possible. Next question is, what is the fascination with the color purple? Uh, sneakers, tree trunks, flowers, fingernails. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so you're catching, you're catching purple on a good day. It really was the tree, but the tree started out red. My favorite color is like a royal a royal blue but also it started to develop into this royal dark deep purple um as the tree i painted the tree that color and then the boots you're referring to i have a pair that are blue and a pair that are purple so i think you're just seeing the purple a lot as a theme is one of my favorite colors so let me just say it, it started with the tree and uh it actually led to a production company just the beginnings of one called Purple Tree Productions. But that tree, I've been climbing since I was a child on my front lawn and, and, and it died. Termites got to it and they hollowed it out. And I had climbed that tree and hidden that tree. And it was just a place for shelter or a place for discovery because like I loved insects. So they, I'd see what you know, insects were there. There were robins that would yearly come and make a nest in that tree every year, the same couple. And it was the first time I ever saw blue eggs. So, so much had happened in that tree that I didn't have the heart to have them shave it down into a pile of, you know, wood shavings and then take it off. So I decided to give it a new life and painted it purple. And much to my surprise, it has become the talk of the neighborhood. I live in Overbrook Park. People love it. People pull over, ask me why I did it, just like you're asking, uh, you know, and, and the significance of the color. A woman knocked on my door. She had on a purple, not she wasn't dressed to the nines, she was just dressed pretty casual, but she had a purple t-shirt on, purple sweatpants, and a purple bandana, and then aviator glasses. Do you know the kind that are like a mirror? Yes. She looked like a, a police officer, a purple police officer. They were, instead of being silver, they were purple reflective. And she knocks on the door, she says, excuse me, could I bother you? And I said, let me guess, your favorite color is purple? and you want to take a picture with my tree and she just started cracking up she said yes and i said well today's your lucky day because not only are you going to get a picture with the tree but you get to get a picture with a celebrity and she said who and i said me and she said are you serious and so then that's when i had to prove it and look up my imdb you know acting is the one career where you're asked to prove yourself if you're at a party and tell people you're a doctor they go oh that's wonderful immediately they, they think wonderful things about you not that you would have ever done something corrupt like you know that you see in the news sometimes they just accept it you're a, you're a doctor or a lawyer you're a lawyer when you say you're an actor and i know part of it is conversation but sometimes it has the vibe of come on you're an actor really anybody can say they're an actor what have you done it's like prove it to me right when it comes across like that it's kind of like why you didn't no one else has to prove themselves do they so you don't say to someone i'm a doctor have you done any surgeries that have made the news that maybe right. i've heard of or a lawyer have you tried right. any profile high profile cases because that somehow validates being a lawyer no and so i learned a long time ago that i'm not an actor because i do a high profile film i'm the same actor who worked on 21 bridges as the one who worked on that indie short you know a couple weeks ago that nobody really knows about yet so that same person is on both sets Mm -hmm. so we talked a little bit about this earlier. Mm -hmm. It's not the it's not the audience that makes you. It's you that makes you. So, um, so, so one of the things I wanted to touch on is that um, you have been uh, a sought after type of uh, 
uh, character for, for, for different films and sometimes by the same director more than Thank three you. times. Thank right? you. Yes, it's true. It's true. I've been fortunate that way. I've had directors bring me back in. I The, the one director, Ante uh, Novakovic, he was the producer on Last Call. He uh -huh. was one such director who I had a couple of lines in a movie that he did years ago called Fright Fest. And in the scene, I'm with the protagonist of the film, the star of the film, one of two stars. And I do my scene. And as I go to leave, I'm telling you, it was one scene. It was like four lines. One of the PAs runs up and says, Ante wants to know if you could stick around. And I said, sure. Uh, could I ask why? And she said, he enjoyed your performance. Um, something about making, putting you in some more scenes. And so she said, I'll let him tell you. And he came to me and he said, Pete, you're the real deal, man. I liked what you did so much. I feel like I'm bragging about my... <laughs> myself now but this is what he said right you're the real deal i really believe what you did and i do i want to add you into some more scenes and that's exactly what he did right and he said he would work with me again and i've heard that a few times but he was true to his word he's cast me in three or four films since have you also added you know on the callbacks and whatnot um have, have they added more scenes to more than or more than one director added more scenes yes yes mm -hmm. yes this has happened a few times for me maybe like four times total um, it happened on the Greek American. They had me playing uh, this young sort of uh, Greek Weasley guy, and they added um, more scenes for me because she wanted more of the character. She thought it was a fun character. She thought it was comedic relief. So again, she added more characters. Alicia Maltepis was the director. And then it happened um, more recently. Oh gosh, I can't remember the, the film's name. But again, I was in a scene and then suddenly they said, we're inserting you into a couple of other scenes. Sometimes you'll have lines, sometimes you won't, uh, but I just need your presence there. So it's been a blessing. Great. Now we're moving on, on tight time here and I wanna have two questions answered. One is in the political arena in which we live, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts or concerns? I'm gonna keep it general so that you can pick whatever it is you wanna talk about. Yeah, are we, we're not talking politics, are we? Oh, my God. Yes, we are. Some people... Well, look. Huh? If you had asked me that, I don't want to give too much away because my political... No, you don't views, have to. You, you say you stayed as much yeah. as you want. I just want to say I'm looking forward to the fact that things that are transitioning because change is always good. Mm -hmm. For, regardless of what my feelings were about the past person and the new person and where things are going. But am I concerned? I'm concerned about the financial state of the world with what happened with COVID. But I'm also hopeful because the new person in office, new change, let's see what happens. So I am cautiously optimistic is what I'll say. That's all I really got on that one. And with the life that we've lived in uh, with COVID, um, has there been any personal impact uh, yes. personally or with people around you? Yes, I had, I've lost, um, my cousin died of COVID. She was my age. Her son contracted it and brought it home. And they both ended up in the hospital in, in ICU. And he was put on a ventilator. She was put on a ventilator. He came out of it. She did not. He's absolutely devastated by it. He beats himself up every day. Imagine how you'd feel if, if that happened. You brought home the disease that, that, that killed your mother. A good friend of mine passed. And believe it or not, the movie Last Call that we were talking about with Jeremy yeah. Piven, the one that I just did, that probably resulted in why I got on your radar. The bar owner passed away from COVID shortly after. Really? She caught it uh, sometime after we were filming and, and she passed away. So has it had a direct impact? Very much so. And I'm terrified because I'm a caregiver to my mom. Yeah. And I'm terrified that someone's going to bring. I've had I had someone stop over, knock on the front door and want to come in. I said, where? what do you? He was visiting my brother. I said, where do you think you're going? 
<laughs> like, what do you think you're doing? You don't have a mask on and you think you're going to, uh-uh, right. no, turn your mask back around and go back wherever you need to go, but you ain't coming in my house and right. putting my mom at risk. Right. Where are you living? Under what rock, buddy? And that's the state of state of the world, politically and COVID-wise. And folks, my dear audience, uh, thank you very much for spending this valuable time with us, Peter and myself today. Please care to share and remember when you're on your beat, please stay on the sunny side of the street safely and be mask conscious, okay? Peter. Yes. This was a lovely time that has passed so quickly. So quickly. There's I so, much so much of <laughs> you, which we will get back into it another t another time. But thank you so, so very much. No, thank you. I feel blessed oh. and honored. Thank you so much. Talking soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to seeing some more of your work and thank learning you. more about you because you've got a great mind and great talent and, um, you know, avalanches of abundance to you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Talk soon. All right. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. <laughs> Molto bella ragazza. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>